everybody and welcome to the Maya Minds podcast. I'm your host George and here at Maya Minds we want to demystify mental health and make sharing mainstream within the exercising and sporting community. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Just before we get started, I want to remind you that here on the My Minds podcast, we do often talk about eating disorders, body dysmorphia, exercise addiction, suicide, and other potentially triggering topics. Usually in the description below, I will write down what we talk about specifically in this episode. That being said, I do hope you enjoy this, but please do be careful. Hi, Graham. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, yes, uh, I'm really excited to, to be here. It's kind of an honor to be here. Um <laughs> my first podcast so yeah really looking forward to it well it's an honor to have you and yeah i feel like the first podcast is always kind of a nervous thing so uh <laughs> if you're feeling nervous i understand i still i still get nervous when i'm um, recording them now although I, I feel like i'm yeah starting to get used to the there's like a weird moment when i press record and then suddenly we're like now we're like half kind of I don't know. It feels like a bit of a performance. Like I still just want to talk to you, yeah, like, like we yeah. would normally do. But now I kind of feel like I'm putting on my pod voice a little bit, and like I'm not not quite as normal as I want to be. <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're well. And yeah, it's really nice to to have you on. Um, have you been up to much today so far this morning? We're like we're about three o'clock at the moment. Uh, so, uh, I went for a walk around Richmond park, um, with uh, a few firefighters. Uh, we've got, uh, something called a walk and talk group, um, where we just get out in nature, just talk about the job or talk about life, uh, ups and downs. Um, and yeah, just get out in nature. And it was a lovely day. Um, I haven't been to Richmond park for a while. It's near where I went to uni. Um, so yes, yeah, it's like kind of nostalgic. It brings back some good memories and some bad ones as well. Um, but yeah, on the whole, yeah, good day. Just been kind of looking forward to this really. Um, but yeah, quite a chilled day. Um, like all things considered, um, the, the kind of with taking into account the last it feels like ten years of my life. Um, mm. But yeah, weirdly, uh, a really chilled, nice, chilled day. Well, that's good. I feel like that's the the perfect day to do this pod. Then, if you're feeling relaxed and um, yeah, hopefully your mind can kind of collect its thoughts and and we can have a good combo. And it's, it's really funny that you mentioned the walk and talk group because I yeah late, later on in the in my kind of notes of what I want to talk about, I've got the walk and talk group um, mentioned down. So it's fun that you're actually a part of that group. So I'm sure you'll you'll have lots of stuff you can tell me about that. Um, sure, sure. Yeah, I, I guess I, I wanted to, before we do get onto all that kind of stuff, I wanted to start the pod off because I think the first, the reason we know each other and how we got speaking was I went on somebody else's pod on the Body Dysmorphic Disorder Foundation podcast and I spoke about my experiences with body dysmorphia and also disordered eating and exercise and um, all of it kind of relating to muscularity and you got in touch with me, I think, I'm hoping I'm remembering this right. You got in touch yeah. with me because you listened to that pod, right? And then kind of shared that you had similar experiences. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I got diagnosed with BDD around about 2018, 2019 mm. um, by a doctor at work. Um, kind of looked a little bit into it, was like, oh my God, yeah, this is like, sounds exactly kind of the the experience that, that I'm having. I know everyone's experience is different, 
but yeah, like a lot of the signs symptoms um, were, were exactly what I was feeling. Um, I went to the BDD conference, I think the 2019 one. Um, and yeah, I've kind of been, um, scratching the surface since, since I went, I think it was 2018 or 2019. Um, the conference was in, in one of the, uh, I think it was it Regent's park in London, I, I believe. Um, and yeah, it it was incredible. Met some amazing people. Um, uh, Professor Veal, um, and um, yeah, uh, I just occasionally listen to the BDD podcast, and um, yeah, you were on it, and <laughs> it, like it was yeah, it, it I I was like this, you know, this dude's what he's been through is pretty remarkable, and yeah, I just thought oh, i'll just drop you a, a message on i think it was instagram or something and mm. yeah and then um started listening to your podcast and a f- like a few podcasts ago i can't remember i think it was with one of your doctors uh or someone and like it flashed up on their uh unwrapping spotify that that yours was th- their most listened to podcast and you were like oh yours is that's probably the only one it was on my christmas wrapping as well that yours <laughs> my most listened to podcast so there you go there's at least two oh amazing okay two people listen that's all that's all i needed <laughs> to know um so yeah i'm glad i'm glad you, you you and i think that was paula um yeah paula watson um who is yeah fantastic she's a um doctor and a um exercise psychologist and actually is the podcast that i believe will be upload is the one uploaded just before your one so people who want to listen to paula as well you can go back and listen to that it's like i planned it the two people who had me in their spotify raps back to back um yeah so i, I want to i suppose go i feel like this is kind of so cliche when i people asking people about their mental health journey but i do want to go back to like when you first recognized you had an issue or do do you have like a i suppose when you learn that you have have some kind of condition like this or have have these kind of symptoms you can look back and often see what was going on when you were younger but do you have like a moment where you first realized or that something was a problem maybe not that you realized it was a disorder of some form or you knew that it was bdd but did you do you have like a memory or a moment where you can remember thinking oh actually this is not right the way I'm feeling or the way I'm acting? Uh, I think it probably takes me back years. I think I've always had that kind of that I've always kind of been hung up on, on, on the way that I look in an, in a quite a negative way. Um, you know, like I, I was never really that sporty when I was younger. Um, I, it, it turns out I'm, I, I, I don't know if I've had child asthma since childhood, but I but I have asthma. My FEV is like really kind of low compared to what it should be. And okay. so like when I was doing like cross country in school or playing football or anything like that, I you know, it used to really tire me out. I it I used to get really, really exhausted. So I didn't do it maybe as much as as other people. Um and kind of re- i think receded into myself a little bit i became quite insular like i was i was a real kind of introvert i used to play a lot of video games when i was a kid um and i you know i don't know what 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 came first like you know i don't know if it was i started playing video games and doing 
th- that kind of stuff because I was asthmatic or, or like I started I, I was doing that which kind of made me asthmatic I'm not quite sure um but I suppose because I wasn't really doing as much sport and stuff when I was younger. Like I, I used to play football with my friends like all the time. It was like, you know, throughout the summer and everything. It, it was amazing. But I never really played for the like the school teams or anything like that. And yeah. you know, I got into sport a lot later. Um, I'll, I'll probably tell you about that later on. But um, yeah, I think kind of round puberty is when I was. And you know, just not very confident with with my body. Um, I can't put an exact date, but I think that was probably when the that BDD seed started to grow in me. I think. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. I, I mean, I I suppose like I have kind of similar thoughts. I was I was very good at rugby, but I wasn't I wasn't ever very good at um, other things, or at least other. I, I suppose it. For me, it was more that the the things that I felt were important about sports were the things that I weren't good at, even though I was good at the sport. So, even though I was good at rugby, I I wasn't I didn't think I was very tough, or I didn't think I was um, you know that strong or anything like that. I thought I thought I just kind of I suppose part of me thought I was just lucky or something. Um, so I, I guess in the in a similar sense, I also had that kind of um, yeah feeling like I wasn't very good at what. I, maybe I was supposed to be good at. Do, do you think that's that what it was for you? Like, do do you have like a, a were your friends good at football or sports or was like your your family or anything like that? Like, why why did you want to be good at football? I guess is my question. Um, I, I suppose it's like if you weren't good at sports at school, it was like you know, like your social status within the school was kind of matched with if you were good at in the the football team or in the rugby Mm. team or basketball team or something like that it it always they were always kind of interlinked I think a little bit or if Mm. you were like you know uh if you used to get in trouble a lot as well like that that would kind of you'd be kind of seen as a little bit of a rebel which would elevate your kind of social status within the school um and sometimes all you know, if you were a bit of a rebel, then you'd, you know, sometimes be good at sports, you know, you'd be less academic. I was, you know, I was quite ap- academic, I suppose. I like I tried to scratch the surface of kind of all of the, the, the groups within the school. Um, I did, I did quite well in my GCSEs, you know, I kind of got uh, 10 A to Cs. Um, I was, you know, good at sciences, which is what I went on to study at university um mm. i got a two one in biology um from the university of surrey so you know i, I like to think that i was quite scientific you know i was like mm-hmm. really good at like maths and science and when i was at school i uh i think games and pe used to be on like wednesdays and thursdays i think and i always not always but i just I I'd wake up on those mornings and just be like, Oh mom, I don't really feel very well. And so, and, and English maths and science were, were generally on Mondays, Tuesdays and Fridays. So like kind of, I'd miss the, I'd miss going in for games, but then going in for the, the subjects that I was good at. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that wasn't kind of week in week out, but 
yeah, if if you'd look at when I attended um, during uh, during like the fourth and the fifth year, or or whenever you know it, it was on those days, like the key stage four and GCSE kind of years, um, yeah, I would kind of miss some of those days, um, mm. and you know, was it like the the some of the I look back and it's like you know, kind of. The, the banter in the, the the change rooms before and after, you know, kind of coming of age and, you know, uh, you know, getting changed, you know, like, was it that aspect that I wasn't totally comfortable with, you know? So, yeah, I, I can see that my kind of my BDD kind of went back to, to the definitely the secondary school. Mm, but, uh, yeah. It's really interesting that you spoke about that because I don't think I spoke about this on the pod before but I used to do the same in that I used to always call in sick at school all the time when I was a kid and actually before I say what I want to say I guess I want to ask you because for me I think even though I, I I I was definitely faking it to a point at least I was like coming up with the I was saying I was sick so I didn't have to go to school I do think part of me felt at least I, I think to to a point I I felt like I really was ill like I used to I used to feel so uncomfortable or so feel so negative or whatever it was yeah, I think really what yeah. it was was anxiety but but like I, I I really did think I was sick usually yeah, Did you feel I, that way I, or I, yeah. I think a bit of both like you know I'd if it was in my mind I kind of in the back of my mind almost like sub- subconscious like mm. oh you just you don't really like all kind of almost like psychosomatic like you know I, yeah I, I was anxious so it kind of made me feel that I had an upset stomach or you know mm. like butterflies in your tummy kind of thing or yeah um yeah like that's definitely maybe that's a definite pos- yeah pos- definitely possibly that that was the, what I was doing yeah the the, re- the reason I ask is because uh, something i've i've come across um semi recently when i've been uh, reading for my phd um is this idea of it's called normative alexithymia which is a big word um but it basically is this uh phenomenon that they found they tend they originally it was called normative male alexithymia because they found it in men mostly but it it's now just called normative alexithymia because they don't think it is exclusive to certain genders or sex um and they it's basically this this idea of learning to not uh be able to understand or um kind of articulate your emotions so not not being able to like understand how you feel or tell other people how you feel because you've just kind of they they tend to link it to like masculinity like the idea of you kind of told that you have to toughen up and you know, man up and and not not talk about these things and not not experience mm. these things so then over time you kind of you learn to not like you don't really understand what feeling you're feeling and something yeah, okay. Definitely got that. Sorry, I've definitely got uh, that. I think a lot of men have. I think. Yeah, yeah, and and one one of the one of the kind of traits that they tend to see in people who experience that, which I definitely did when I was younger, and I think I still do in certain aspects now, is that they tend to report feeling sick 
a lot and they're not actually having sickness symptoms, but they, they think that actually they, they're experiencing a, a mental health issue, you know, some kind of psychological issue, like they're really anxious or, or they're depressed or anything. But because they don't have the words to articulate that or they and they because they haven't learned to be able to acknowledge that and recognize that it is a mental health issue, that they then treat it as if it's a physical one and they tell people they're sick or you know they they think they really think that they're ill. Um, so that's why I was asking, because that, I think that's something that I've experienced myself when I was younger. I genuinely thought I was sick. Like I genuinely thought I just needed to be off school all the time. And I just had this terrible immune system. And I just, for some reason, I was just always ill. But actually, I think I was just always anxious and re- always really like I was just going through these waves of really bad anxiety and, and depression. And I didn't know that I didn't know how to explain that or I didn't know how to identify that. Wow, I, I never knew. I never knew of that term. Uh, that's yeah. That's um, I, I can definitely relate to that. Right, one hundred percent. Yeah, um, yeah. It's re- it's it. Se- it seems to be really common. Um, and I, I, like you say, I think I think there are a lot of. It's like I said originally. It was it was coined normative male exothymia because the the guy who found it. I think his last name's Pleck. Um, and he basically was a, a psychologist or a, a psychiatrist or something. And he said that in a lot of his male clients, they often couldn't, it took quite a long time for them to be able to explain how they felt and uh, much more so than they did with the, the women and girls that they treated. Um, mm. So he, he thought that it was something to do with this, like kind of being discouraged from talking about your mental health. Um, so then you just kind of don't have the words for it anymore. And it's one of the things why I think like mental health services and, and you know, um, something we might be talking about later the, with the um, fire brigade and, and these kind of like um, overly male jobs and overly male um, sectors. I do think we need to do more around um, giving words for mental health and, and helping people under, like articulate and actually be able to identify how they're feeling because, I think often we just say, oh, you know, men should talk more about how they feel. But then a lot of the men don't even know how. Like we don't like a lot of them just don't have the words or yeah. or even know what it is they're feeling. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I some some people uh like uh, one friend of mine, he's he's kind of said, You're like you're a hypochondriac, you know, like you're always ill, you always think you're ill, and you know, that kind of it's like psychological a lot and I, I i definitely feel over the last i can't remember how how many years i have really felt that i've been trying to keep my head above water it just feels like life is getting really unmanageable at times mm. um it, like it's so stressful and i'm like people are like well you like why are you doing so much you need to do less and i, I, I like i can't stop because of how it feels like my 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 mental health will be if I do stop. It's mm. I, I will not be in a good place if I stop. Sometimes I get ill. I literally get like viruses or, or flus, and that and that's the only time I do stop. I, I feel that that's the only time I am uh, I, I'm allowed to stop. I do, I just like my body's like you you can't keep going like so, and that's the only time where I feel okay to do nothing if i'm ill mm. it feels like mm. uh, is that something really you still healthy. think you're exper- experiencing now um it's kind of got better i think with um 
like over the last few like i can't remember how many like i, I mean i've been doing yoga f- since i joined the fire brigade and mm. um and my my life goes in waves of like um manageable times and you know unmanageable like summer spring and summer tends to be less less stressful for me you know like with the extra light the vitamin d um you know like your melatonin your um and your cortisol you know so i i feel like spring and summer is it's a real breath of fresh air um mm-hmm. um i i mean i had you know it's really unprecedented times you know the last few years with covid i i was speaking to someone at my um at a funeral the other day it's my, my a really good friend of mine his his mum passed away and i was speaking to someone at at the funeral, someone that I you know, went to primary school with, like, you know, kind of 30, 35 years ago. And I, we were just chatting about kind of life. And I was saying about, you know, COVID and whatnot. And I, like, I was like, you know, saying how just tired I was, you know, I was, I was, uh, I was driving ambulances through COVID. Like they got the firefighters to drive ambulances because they were so short staffed. And I was saying, Oh, like, you know, life through COVID, you know, like some people were getting furloughed and getting up to three thousand pounds a month for doing nothing for being at home, and I was getting less than that for you know for being an, an like an ambulance technician stroke paramedic you know driving ambulances tipping out to you know people dying you know in front of me like you know a couple a couple of people died in front of me I was trying to bring someone back with CPR um um you know it was like covid for me was like you know almost like uh you know felt like the apocalypse you know um whereas people were just like get you know like here you go like six months 12 months off work three grand a month happy days and you know i and i almost kind of said i i really resent people that got furloughed and then she said oh i was furloughed and i was like oh i didn't mean you <laughs> like <laughs> but you know like trying to backtrack and i didn't mean any you know I didn't mean any offense, but it was, but you know, it was, it was a really difficult time. And yeah, I, I had a hard time, uh, you know, but you know, I kind of battled through it. Um, but I'm still feel like there's some trauma there. You know, I can feel myself kind of shivering now, you know, um, because of how, how tough it was. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it was, I've forgotten what the, I've forgotten what the question was. No, well, mate, you, you've just, yeah, thank you for, sharing that and um yeah i mean if you want to pause the part at all um are you, are you okay to carry on we can we can solve if yeah. you want to just chat or yeah no it's it's okay it's um okay. it's not a bad you know it's like triggering you know it's triggering triggering a, like a physiological response but it's you know it's yeah it, okay. I'm, I'm okay for now uh, yeah. i'm okay for now yeah. Okay. Well, you can just, you know, you can just say, um, if you need to stop, um, sure. uh, but yeah, thank, thank you for sharing that. I mean, that sounds horrible and I didn't re- I didn't realize, I don't think you've told me about that before, um, that you had to go through like the fact that you had to drive ambulance around and then you also had to experience what you experienced. And yeah, I, I mean, that's not even your job, you know, you've just been kind of asked to do it and then you've got to go through all that. It sounds, um, yeah, really scary and, um, yeah, I mean, understandable why you would 
kind of get this reaction and also understandable why you would have resentment. Like, I don't, I don't think I understand why you, you maybe started backtracking with that person because of the irony of her um, saying that she was also um, furloughed. But I don't, I don't think anyone could hold that against you. I think I was very human to be annoyed at people who, who had a, a better time. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that you think that they're bad people for that, or you don't think, you know, they didn't, wasn't their choice. Um, but it's very normal for you to say, I'm having a really shit time and they're having a, what you think is a great time. Um, and there's a very normal to be annoyed at that. Yeah. Uh, I don't, yeah. I don't want to say annoyed. Like, I mean, cause it was, you know, it was really, it was like adrenaline fueled, you know, it was, it was at times really like, I, I felt that I was making a difference. I was doing good work um at times sometimes yeah it was like you know i was remember doing cpr on a lady and we we were doing it for a while and i i was like you know i i could have i felt like i could have called it no that, that like there is there is no point doing this she's like she, if we do bring her back then I don't think she's going to have a good quality of life. Um, it mm. did eventually get called by, I, th- I think there was a, a senior paramedic turned up um, who, who yeah, kind of called it um, whatever time it was. Um, but, you know, it was, it was a wonderful experience to be able to do that as well. You know, it, it was, um, you know, I, I there were times when I've kind of thought I joined the wrong emergency service. Like my dad, he was a policeman. He was in the army, um, uh, the, the, the TA. My my grandfather, he was in the Navy and then uh, joined the prison service. And my godfather, he he was, um, it was up north, but he was, yeah, he, he was in the ambulance service. Um, and I, I remember speaking to one of my first station commanders and, and I was like, I should have joined the ambulance service. So it was, <laughs> you know, it was, and that was my background. My background was, was biology, you know, my biological sciences was what my degree was in. And like, I kind of, I really love first aid and, and that aspect of the job, you know, it's something which, you know, patient care, I love it. I do love it. Um, I, I think I probably would have would have you know hoped for more like that people were getting furloughed for three grand a month for doing nothing and i Mm. was getting less than that for 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 doing you know what i was doing yeah it 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 did feel a bit unfair i suppose Mm. like i suppose i wasn't really annoyed but it felt unfair i think yeah yeah, and maybe yeah, maybe annoyed is the wrong word. I was just, um, yeah, didn't have the right word to describe it. Um, but yeah, and I do want to, I want to talk more about um, kind of what you do now. But I've, we've gone a bit off topic, and we're going to come to that in a bit. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna reel us back um, to sure. your. Um, no, don't be sorry. This is this is conversations. This is how it. This is how it goes. Um, it's my job to keep it on track. I'm the one doing a bad job here. Um, the I want to talk about yeah your experiences with um, body dysmorphia, uh, and yeah. So you you mentioned how you know when it when it kind of first came about when you were younger and, and when you were a teenager going through puberty, and you mentioned when you'd been uh, when someone had spoken about it and you'd gone to these you'd gone to the uh, conference in 2018 or 19 or whenever it was um 
can you tell me a little bit about what your actual experiences were? Like what, you know, was there certain areas of your body that you felt uncomfortable about or, you know, what, what were the symptoms for you? Um, I think one of the questions, um, it was about uh, a time in my life. I don't know. We'll probably come on to that, but for me, when my BDD or when this kind of issue was, was, quite big for me was at uni um mm. i i went to i went to uni when i was 19 um i took a year off after my a levels then went to the, went to uni and it was almost like it was meant to, well, i don't know if it was meant to be but i uh, went to university of surrey in roehampton and i was in a shared i was in a like a double room so there was two of us in there um uh the guy that i was staying with uh adam like incredible bloke like absolutely incredible bloke he he was doing um he was doing sports science and i was doing bioscience and he was like really hugely into the gym going to the gym um he was like uh, an amazing basketball player he used to play basketball for great britain um he wow. like I, I used to play basketball a little bit, you know, and we occasionally used to go up into up into the court and just play some basketball. And he used to just shoot threes for like fun, you know. He was just amazing. He he, I, I think he like. I, I hope he doesn't hear this, but if he, <laughs> he kind of self confessed, I think he kind of said if he was taller, or, or I think there was talk if he was taller, he would have made it into the NBA. Oh wow! Um, but that he wasn't, yeah. That he wasn't as tall. He couldn't, you know, kind of do, you know, um, it, you know, he wasn't uh, that. It wasn't that player, you know. Um, but yeah, he he was he was incredible, yeah. um, and he was he got me into going to the gym. There was this gym called Power Zone in Putney, and I. Like I said earlier, I wasn't hugely into kind of sport when I was growing up, but I, I don't know at what point, I don't know if he asked me or if I was just like, oh, uh, do you mind if I come? But yeah, got got into going to the gym with him and it just, I, I was kind of hooked straight away, you know, um, but I didn't do it for the right reasons, I don't think. I did it because I wanted to be henched, we used to call it um and i didn't really do it for the health i did it for the look you know and and, mm. and now i do everything that i do i feel is for for the right reasons and not for the wrong reasons i still want to i still you know want to be fit i still want to look fit i still want to look healthy but i do it because i'm working my, my you know aerobic you know i'm working my lungs and you know i'm, I'm doing all this stuff to kind of promote good health and longevity in life you know i don't want to get cancer i don't want to get heart disease i don't want to have a stroke you know i want to be fit and healthy um you know as as everyone does mm. um and with that you know kind of he 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 went on to perform you know he, he went on to do competitions and he did you know he was he was, he was successful in, in the competitions that he did and then um went on to release um like you know products like um doing like kind of healthy stuff rather than just a bunch of chemicals 
Yeah. Um, and I, would, I got hooked on his vegan, on his vegan oats. Like these things were amazing. Um, I went vegan for a bit. So, you know, I absolutely loved his stuff. But yeah, I got, I was, you know, just hugely into going to the gym aside from my lectures, the, the uni I went to, I was at lectures, you know, kind of maybe 15 hours a week, 20 hours a week. So I had a lot of free time. So you used to spend it going to the gym, but I didn't, I didn't do a lot of, um, aerobic stuff. I just used to do like we, and again, we used to call it like mirror muscle stuff, like pecs, biceps, you know, um, delts, um, lats, stuff like that. Yeah. And, and then, you know, get like being serious in the gym for me was when I started doing legs, you know, it's like, you know, I want to work my legs. I want to make sure that I'm, you know, fully, fully rounded, you know? Um, so mm. for me, it was like, yeah. Um, just wanting to be the, 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 the whole, like, you know, fully, fully rounded, but I, but I still, I wasn't doing like, um, like aerobic stuff, I, you know, I got further down the line, I got into like marathons and like I've done, done, done a couple of Ironman triathlons, you know, so I, I like further down the line, I was like, you know, I, I do want to do it for, for the health reasons and, you know, for, to feel like, you know, accomplishments, like, you know, kind of, um, to feel proud of my achievements and things that I've done, but right yeah. at the start, I just did it for the look, you know, and that's so, that's such a, a bad kind of mindset to have, I think. But looking back on it, you know, um, but, you know, I, I, I did it for, I did it for the wrong reasons and not for, for, for my health, which would be the good reasons. Yeah. And uh, I know, you know, that the, this kind of is where our kind of experiences definitely cross over quite a bit and the mind was all around, kind of trying to be muscular and the mirror muscles and all that stuff. And, um, yeah, I was so obsessed with bodybuilding and, and yeah, trying to weightlift in different ways. And even, you know, stuff like, you know, the, that, um, meme you were talking about with the celebrity with the scope, don't skip leg day stuff, you know, that, that was, that was a big problem of mine was this fear that people were going to see my body and, and think that I'd skipped leg day or skipped whatever day. And people, I, I was constantly afraid that other people were going to see me as not, muscular enough um and i think i think for me it was and i said this loads of times but i think for me a big part of the reason for that was that i felt like um as a man i was supposed to be muscular or like it would make me better better man if i was more muscular um for yeah. whatever reason that was is that something you felt as well i know you mentioned you're like you were big into the Arnie movies back in the day and stuff. And he was obviously, he was always portrayed as this very masculine man. For me, it was Rocky, like Sylvester Stallone. That was a big part of my childhood. Um, and again, yeah, there's just this idea that because he's muscular and lean and uh, then he's more manly. Um, I don't, yeah. Was that something that you think you experienced? Yeah, definitely. Um, I can remember, um, uh, I went for a career break in 2016 to 2017. I took 15 months off and uh, went out to India, Nepal, New Zealand, um, Sri Lanka. And when I came back, uh, I can remember a, a firefighter say to me, oh, my God, you've lost weight. Um, and it didn't feel like a, a positive. It felt like really kind of de derogatory, you know, like um, like kind of less 
less of a firefighter, less of a man, you know, it didn't feel like a, a, a positive, it, you know, it, it wasn't like, oh, you've lost weight, you know, you, you look well, you know, like you've kind of, you've toned up or you've, you know, lost some, lost some fat. It was very much in the tone of, oh, you've lost lots of muscle. You're not like the man that you used to be kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, it kind of struck me a little bit like, uh, and, and now I look back and I'm like, yeah, I I wasn't the person that I was before I went away, but like, I know now, or I feel more of a man now than, than I, I did before, um, mm. which is like, you know, it's weird. It's really weird how my mindset's changed a little bit. I don't get me wrong. I still want to, you know, I want to, I want to get back in the gym. I've, you know, I've missed the gym for a while, but I, I, I don't, there's some aspects of the gym, gym culture um, that I really hate, you know, that, that I, and I don't feel comfortable with and and if i don't enjoy it if I, i'm not going to do it that that's how yeah. i feel like the, the the sport that i do now i really enjoy i really enjoy and it's not it's not sport but like walking you know i i like i really love it getting out into nature it's really beneficial for your mental health serotonin endorphin boosting all that kind of stuff mm. um, but gyms are you know oh, you know, occasionally I go into some gyms at work and like, you know, the, the, the guys in there have got their tops off, you know, and it's like that, you know, just doesn't feel like, uh, like, uh, somewhere where I want to, where I want to go and train, mm. um, you know, because, because they are, they're bigger than me, you know, is that the reason that I don't want to go in there or is it because I, I, you know, that's, I don't know. It's, maybe it's, you know, maybe I'm still not there yet where if someone in the gym, there, there's always going to be someone that's bigger than you. There's always going to be someone that can lift, that can squat more than you, that can do, you know, mm. it's, I feel it's quite elitist now. Um, whereas I feel that, you know, I'd like to think that I'm kind of all like all round, um, you know, because fitness isn't just your physical fitness or your, you know, your, 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 your heart, your lungs, it's, you know, your, your mental fitness as well, which is, you know, as if not more important than, you know, than your physical fitness, um, mm. being a firefighter, you know, some would argue, well, you need to be physically fit. Uh, you know, if you're not physically fit, if you can't, if you're not strong enough to lift the ladder or drag someone out of a fire, yada, 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 you know, then you, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. Um, mm. and, like yeah i can i definitely agree with with that argument you know if you're not you know fit enough to drag out your your ba partner your breathing apparatus partner or you know um yeah it, uh lift lift the ladder then you know I, I suppose there you know there are arguments that you're you're not you know you you shouldn't be operational you know mm. um because you know in in an emergency when you know in that life or death situation you know you you have to be able to do x y or z you know you have to be able to lift a a, a quarter of the the 100 kilogram ladder you know um so i i i know that there are arguments you know um to you know for and against that you, you do definitely have to be fit enough you you but it but i i think mental fitness is as well as 
physical fitness. Mm. Yeah, and I don't I don't know enough about um the fire brigade and the the jobs in the fire brigade to be able to comment on on that but it's that makes sense to me that you should be able to like pick up the ladder and and drag somebody out and stuff if that's what you're you're supposed to go and do um so and that that's something that we can come on to and we talk about um that later on hopefully um that yeah i I do i do think there's an interesting side of jobs and and things where they require you to do exercise and require you to be physically fit and and stuff and especially if you have had issues with exercise and body image and stuff in the past it can be um yeah like i imagine difficult to to figure out exactly um yeah where the line is and what how much you're supposed to do and and whether you're doing it for the right reasons or the wrong reasons it can be difficult but also maybe helpful in in certain ways um, but what, what I do want to um, touch on, because I, I really I thought it was um, a good point and really interesting, uh, a couple of things I want to touch on, actually. The first one is, and you said you said about your mind shift of how, you know, your friend said you'd lost weight, but actually you said you felt more manly. Um, like, I, I think uh, for me anyway, uh, like I said, masculinity was a big issue for me. And I felt like the only way for me to get it was by having a muscular body. And one of the ways that I, I've, one of the things that I've worked on that's helped me get over it and, and kind of get into a better place that I feel like I'm in now is by kind of redefining what I saw as masculine or what I saw as, as being worthy, I guess, or being like a good, a good person, quote unquote. Um, and that, you know, that started to encompass more all round things. So like being a good partner, being a good friend, being nice to people, you know, being smart, being, you know, enjoying different things other than just exercise and, and the way my body looks. Uh, but, you know, if I'm honest, part of me still does um, lean on the way my body looks sometimes, you know, sometimes, and it might not be healthy. I, don't, um, I think maybe I still have a little bit too much leaning on it. Um, but I still, you know, like sometimes I'll check my arms in the mirror or something and it gives me a confidence boost if I think they look better. Um, but I think that I think the difference now is that if if they don't look how I want them to look for uh, for whatever reason, it doesn't like destroy me because I have other things that I think I'm good for. So, you know, if I think I don't if I think I don't look how I want to look a certain day. I can then be like, well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter because I'm still a good person. I'm still what I want to be. I don't know if that's necessarily bad. I, 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 part of me feels like, again, I'm no, I'm no clinician. I'm just researcher slash lived experience. But for me, that feels like that's okay. Like the, it's okay to still care about, or, or not even care, but it's, it's okay for you to still get something from the way you look positively. And maybe sometimes it's negative as long as it doesn't have that, like, you know, catastrophically bad reaction to you as long as you have these other coping mechanisms these other things that you do i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing um i think it's just getting the balance right what do you think about that yeah about it's definitely about getting the balance right that's my favorite word balance Mm. because you know like if you put work in you know you're it's you know the, the results that you get you know are uh, there, there's a yoga term that it's like don't be attached to the to to the, to the the fruits of your work you know like um like do do the work but don't be like oh okay look at the results now amazing you know try not to be attached to the you know the mm. the, the, the the fruit 
the th- the fruits of thy labor um but at the same time you know that yoga evolved from you know from india it kind of c- come from the east you know we're in the west where you know it we've it's totally it's totally different world you know i like to think you know take take the best of the east and the best best of the west and fuse them together because I feel there's yeah a lot of a lot of kind of negative traits from the west like you know yeah like i don't want to say arrogance or like overconfidence like you you know like um, i i can't do this pod and not talk about instagram at one point <laughs> you know um so imagine you know when we get into yoga you know that that will that will come in, in, into the conversation but i i think you know it um, I, you know, I was looking, I, I was speaking to a couple of people earlier about, uh, about triathlons and about, um, you know, like I did, uh, I did a, an Ironman triathlon 10 years to the day after 9-11. Um, I did it September the 11th, uh, 2011. And it, I did it and I raised money, some for the Fallen Firefighters Fund. And I went out to New York to Ground Zero just, just afterwards, you know, don- donated some of the funds to them. I did it for the RNLI as well um amazing yeah and I, I i was putting something in my bottom drawer earlier my some of my gym bands and my exercise bands and i saw my medals in there and just grabbed them out and like took a photo and sent it to the whatsapp group I was like oh yeah like i just you know i was chucking something in my in my drawer earlier and um yeah and and you know that's like that is that's a you know a result that's like the fruit you know of the hard work that i put in and it was it was grueling. Some of the training that I, you know, that I did, you know, <clears throat> was, was, you know, brutal. It's something that I, you know, I didn't do in my younger years and getting up at like five, six in the morning to, you know, go and smash out like, you know, lengths in the pool or go for like a five, 10 mile run or whatever, or go out on the bike for a few hours, you know, it's, it's hard work and you, you should feel proud of, of the work that you've done you know mm. and it's it's you know i suppose you, it's, it's the difference between arrogance and and humility and confidence and you know like it, it, it like being arrogant is is a bad quality being confident is a good quality you know but there's you know where's where's the that line you know mm. and it's yeah no one like someone that brags and is arrogant about their achievements but you know and it's 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 a real good quality to be humble you know about your achievements and not really be you know outspoken on on all the things that you've done but you I think Mm. you should feel proud you know and sometimes I think that's you know build you know at the moment a little bit as like a bad trait to have you know like oh I've done this you know like this this is everything that I've achieved you know and and that it does feel like a bit of that, like everyone's trying to trump each other, you know, it's like, you know, Oh, I've done this. Oh yeah. Well, I've done this. Oh, I've, you know, and it, everyone's trying to be better than, than, than everyone else. Um, but I, I don't think, I, I, I think it's nice to, to be proud of the work that you've put in, be that with your physique or with the things that you've achieved. Mm. I, I I remember I heard I forget who it was who said it, but I or maybe I read it a while ago. Um, that the the difference between confidence and arrogance is that people who are arrogant 
don't understand that other people could be or that they could be better or could do better or other people are better than them. Um, whereas whereas confidence, people are just proud of what they've achieved. So someone who's yeah. confident understands that there are prob- there's probably people who have done it better or people who could do it better or they could improve in some kind of aspect. Um, so they have that humility that they're not perfect, but they're still proud of what they've done. Um, whereas someone who's arrogant uh, potentially doesn't understand or doesn't recognize that you know they could still do better or they could learn from other people. Um, and I feel like that's where that that kind of comparison comes in, doesn't it? Where someone says something and then that person says, yeah, but you're not better than me because I've done this. Um, and that's maybe where arrogance kind of crosses the line there. But I agree with you that, yeah, I think... I think especially in we're both English. Um, I think you are anyway. Maybe I'm generalizing that. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, we're, yeah, we both come from this country and I think it's kind of famous for um, downplaying confidence and, and not, you know, not kind of bigging up yourself. Um, and um, yeah, I think often we get told to be humble, but the humility that we get told to do is actually just kind of underplaying yourself or underselling yourself. Um, and I think, yeah, often in in Britain, it's very common that if you do show confidence, it can be labeled as arrogance. And um, I actually really disagree with that. I think, I think it's important to be confident. It's important to say, I'm actually really good at this thing, or I actually, I did this thing really well. Um, and still understand that, you know, I could do it better or I could better. There are people who are better than me at it, but I'm proud of the fact that I did that. Um, I think that's a really good thing. I don't think that should be discouraged. Uh, but I, and I want, I, I want to, I, just because we're getting close to an hour already and we've only really been talking about the first section of the three sections we want to talk about today. Um, so I'm going to move us on. You've said, you mentioned that we were going to talk potentially about, um, Instagram and social media when we talk about yoga. So how about we kick it off with that? Do you want to tell me some of the things that you dislike about the kind of yoga Instagram world? Is it, is it that whole comparison thing that you were mentioning before? Uh, well, it's not necessarily that, that, that I don't like it. It's sometimes it feels, well, um, it, it, it feels as though you're again, coming back to the, um, like trying to outdo each other. It, it does feel like, you know, you're, and I'm, I'm guilty of this, you know, like, I look at the amount of followers that, that, you know, that this or that teacher has, and that's, Mm. and that equates to how successful they are as, as a yoga teacher, or, you know, if they're, if they don't, it's, it's so ridiculous. And I, you know, I, and I totally am guilty of it. You know, if, if they haven't got thousands of followers, then they're doing something wrong, you know? Um, And I, I don't know why I've got that mindset. I really don't know. It's probably because of it's probably because of Instagram itself, and you know, and um, I, like I've done a mentoring scheme, and you know, like social media marketing is one of the aspects of it. You know, and and you know, mar- marketing is a thing. You know, how you market yourself, you know, gets you know your your livelihood. You know, it, it is you know. At, at times reliant on this you know if that's if that's all you do you need mm. you need you need to do all, all this stuff and it's it just it does seem a little bit ridiculous that you know that you have to spend the majority of your time doing stuff like marketing social media marketing um and, and that's how 
but you know that's the world we live in i suppose and that's yeah. you know like the the whole thing about buying followers you know it, that's just that uh, just seems to me as just being like absolutely crazy you know like you you can buy bots you know like 10 like 10,000 bots or whatever yeah. you know for a certain amount of money and it's like and then you know you, you so like someone comes to your 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 instagram page and they're like oh they, they've got like eleven thousand followers like but but they don't really you know so it's like it, it's it's just it's it's a facade you know it's um mm -hmm. social media is a weird place isn't it i think it's yeah i think people talk about it a lot in the mental health world and i i, I think it's because it is so problematic i think one of the issues is that it it puts like a numerical value on worth um, in like you say with followers or likes or shares or whatever, you have an actual number of, of you know, what, and it doesn't like you, like you say, it doesn't necessarily actually count up to how good this person is or how, whatever it could just be, you know, how easy is this to like, or how, how much does this grab people's attention in some, some way they might be shite at the thing that they're promoting. Um, but then, but you know, it, you know, like some, the, um, some fail videos get, uh, get more press than like, you know, positive videos. Um, yeah. but, but it, it does give you that number, doesn't it? That numerical value of, um, and it is so hard to not then compare because you have a number, you know, I have X amount of followers, they have Y and, you know, X is smaller than Y. So we're, you know, I'm not as good. Um, but it does, it's really hard to kind of differentiate that that doesn't add up. It doesn't actually make sense. Um, so yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Um, I, like the fails, fails thing that, you know, like I, I, I should like, um, am, am I, um, I don't, I know. I don't think I'm ashamed of it. That, that was a period of my life where I, like, I really loved Jackass, you know, like the movies, mm. the, the TV show, absolutely loved it. You know, I, I, I used to, I, I wasn't very good at it, but I used to love skateboarding. I've still got, you know, I've got my longboard and my skateboard like up on the shelf at the moment, you know, like, I, like Jackass and, and Dirty Sanchez, I, I loved them. I've got like both my boards are signed by, by like you know some some of those guys mm. and uh, like Scheidenfreude like the fails you know like I I sometimes you know like you know I I said to someone once you know if you need cheering up then just go on YouTube and look at boating fails you know and it's like some of them are just like you know out there like they're funny as hell but you know like they're they're funny for you but for the person like you know that's their absolute absolute worst day ever you know they've lost their job you know I, I don't like watching fails videos where you know anyone's like really seriously injured or you know or, or worse mm. um um but yeah schadenfreude where you, you take pleasure in someone else's misery like jackass i think is a bit different because they you know they're they're doing it for com com comedic effect. You know they're, mm. they're, that's what they're supposed to be doing. Like some fails, they're they're trying to do like an epic win video, aren't they? And that's like the the like the the um the the dilemma, isn't it? You know they're they're trying to make like an, an ultimate win video, and it just goes wrong, and it just goes that that pendulum just swings around in the other direction. 
And then, you know, some people are happy with that. Some people are like, right, okay, yeah, I was trying to do this. It went totally wrong. And they can laugh at themselves. But it's, I suppose, when they're not, when they're not, it's just captured on film. They're not like, you know, others are laughing at them and they're like, you know, got a broken leg or whatever. And it's like, yeah, not, not good. Um, mm. I, I can't watch stuff where people get hurt just purely because it just makes me cringe. So like, I, I've never been able to, when I, when I was a kid and my family used to watch You've Been Framed. Did you ever watch that? Um, yeah, I used to yeah. love that. I couldn't, I could, I could never watch it. It like, it makes me cringe seeing people get hurt. Like I just, I, I, I almost feel awkward about it, which is such a weird thing. But yeah, I love that. Um, I've heard that term before the shout and I'm definitely pronouncing it wrong. Shout and Freud or whatever. It's a German word, isn't it? For yeah. like, yeah, yeah. In, in, yeah. Getting pleasure out of somebody else being, um, upset or yeah, someone else's misery. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. I'd go and kind of go back to the, the whole social media thing. I do, I do think that, it, I I have had definitely had a tendency in the past to compare my followers to other people's followers and compare my likes to other people's likes, especially in you know with podcasts or with um, mental health uh, organisations that do similar stuff to my own minds or have done something whatever. I used to I used to get a bit um, kind of jealous and and things about that, but I think what is turned around for me is just I think a big part of it was I kind of for one recognizing that their success doesn't equal my fail um and that we like you both can be successful simultaneously and and make a difference simultaneously um another part of it is that I think it's again on social media it's so easy to to kind of accidentally fall into the idea that my success is how many numbers I can get on followers or how many numbers I can get on likes when that was never what I wanted out of my minds. I didn't make my minds to be a thing that I get likes for. <laughs> like I made it because I thought it was important and the things that I want to do with it were important. Um, so I have to like remind, I've like reminded myself enough times and I feel like it kind of is almost happens um, on its own now that I now kind of recognize when I'm slipping into numbers again and, and pulling it back and saying, actually, I'm, you know, what I'm trying to do is have an impact on these particular people or in this particular world or whatever. Um, and am I doing that? Yes, I still am. I'm still, you know, in whatever way I'm doing it, or even, even just saying I still did it at some point, you know, I, I did that one thing and that's had an impact and that's probably having an ongoing impact. Um, or even just, you know, um, I, I occasionally get emails from people and, and things who reach out and say that the podcast has helped them and, um, you know, that they they enjoy listening to it and it's helped them through tough times or whatever. And just knowing that that person maybe is still listening or at least that person has had some kind of change in some way, even that one person, those kind of things are now what I try and focus on. Um, but I think social media just kind of, yeah, you almost fall into struggling with numbers because it, it's just it's designed around numbers it makes it hard not to yeah i um like someone said to me um instagram or social media is like a good tool it's it's a tool that you can use um for you know for whatever benefit you know and mm -hmm. yeah what what i think you're doing you know it's it, it i know it's have definitely been a benefit to me you know I, I mean I was one of those guys that you talk about that 
you know that, that contacted you saying you know like i you know listen to listen to you on the on the bdd podcast or whatever and it was and now i'm yeah i've uh, been listening to your podcast and yeah it's it's definitely helped me um mm. and i suppose that's it's about your 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 why isn't it like why are you doing what what it is you're doing mm. uh, like why why am i on instagram you know why are people on why are people on social media people do it for different reasons some because people want followers because that's what they want to do they want to be an influencer or they want to make money you know they they want to you know run their own business and and you know i mean i don't know if i've seen this but I've heard about it whereby you, you, you only get jobs if you've got a certain amount of followers or, well, like you start getting money when you've, when you've got a certain amount of followers or a certain mm. amount of views on, on YouTube. So, you know, it, it, it is related to, to income. You know, you, we, we live in a world where you have to have money in order to survive, you know? Mm. So it, it like, it, it's a self, um, um, you know, it's it's for self um, for, for preservation, be able, I guess, almost. Yeah, exactly. For self preservation, in order to survive, that's that's why you need likes. That's why you need views. So it's yeah. It and I think coming back to it being a, a tool to use to get your to get your. I mean, I mean, I suppose I've got to ask myself why I use it to stay connected to people, so that people can see what it is I'm doing like like to think at times to inspire people um you know with the, with some of the things that that I've done in my life you know um mm. that you know um my, to share my yoga story i suppose in my yoga journey um mm. um and yeah i suppose i think what's more important to me now than ever is trying to be a decent human being i suppose um you know, trying to have a good life, but, you know, not doing it at the expense of someone else, you know, or, or, or uh, and it feels that like there is still this elitist thing, you know, if, if, if you're going for a job, you want to be better than the person that you're, that you're going to, that you're having an interview with, you, you know, if there's like five of you going for the job, you, you know, you want to be better than the the other four people. You know that that's that's a given. You don't want to be like, oh, I I hope you know, I, I hope you guys do an amazing job. You know, in your interview, it's like, well, if if they do and you do badly, you're not going to get the job, and then you're not going to be able to survive. So it is like a self self preservation thing. I I'd like to think that we could live in a world whereby you know, or like without trying to think of, of an example where everyone would get a job you know or you know but that's you know that's a sociology kind of you know that's hmm. that's you know it feels like it's almost impossible you know but you know if you look at evolution you know what like darwinism survival of the fierce you know if you if you want to find a, you know a mate like I, I listened to a book called lost connections with johan hari and you know he talks about like um evolution and about how um you know you you have your status he uh he looked into like the status of monkeys within the the social group and like you know the the the, the highest status monkey that you know that was the monkey that um you know that that 
kind of the the the, the females you know wanted to reproduce with but that that was the monkey that was my had the most um rivalry with and you know if the other monkeys that were two or three in the that order would try and knock them off off the the the, the pedestal so that then they were number one and it's you know that it, it, it is like uh we are animals at the end of the day but i think we're we're that advanced that we do have you know it, we're not just working from our primal brain we're working from the thinking brain and the emotional brain whereby you know we should be looking out for each other you know we, we should be uh, like ahimsa which is one of the one of the aspects of yoga like you've got your your yamas which are your your like your ethics and ahimsa is in there which is non-violence non-harming that's to yourself and to everyone else but it's at odds sometimes with with capitalism isn't it with with uh, and with you know animal nature where you know with with that survival of the fittest um mm -hmm. How, how do you think uh, talk talking about this kind of you know you've i suppose in a sense you you're moving away from these kind of animalistic things you know at least it that kind of that idea of you know the monkeys trying to prove themselves to to get like the the mate and all that stuff that reminds me of when i was struggling with my eating disorder and and my like mental health i felt like i needed to be keep proving myself keep being better and maybe to a point i still feel that way but in a healthier way now um, and then i moved more towards those things that you're talking about with yoga um so i guess my my question is do you do you think yoga has had a positive experience in that sense with your your bdd and do you think it's affected that in any way um oh, like i i i looked at this earlier and i was like i think it's had um positives and negatives um okay. i like there i i do feel like there's still that that comparing that it, you know that there is the you know that if you can't do a handstand then you know then you don't have that you're not balanced in your body or you know you're not strong enough in your core you're not you don't have that you know amazing kind of yeah uh strength to do it you know but like everybody's different like you know if my i'm i'm really tall i'm like six foot three i've got really long arms and legs i've got really high center of gravity so i can only do handstands against the wall you know i don't have that balance or the strength you know maybe the alignment at the moment to be able to do handstands in the room you know i might never be able to you know i'm 42 now so it might be right okay those days are gone you know and I, but I shouldn't attach my my worth to to my ability to be able to do a handstand. You know, I I yoga is about breathing. It's about moving with breath. It's about relaxation. It's about some of those ethics that I talk about. You know, like the ahimsa, the non-violence, the, the non-stealing, the satya, the truth, and um, the conserving of your energy, and then. It, like there's 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 eight aspects to yoga you've got your your yamas your ethics towards others your niyamas your ethics towards yourself cleanliness then you move into um uh asana which is the movement the pranayama the breathing pratyahara the withdrawal of the senses the dharana the dhyana the meditation the the one-pointed focus um uh and then the the, the eighth 
limb is samadhi which is like the highest goal you know which i i you know i i say in my classes sometimes like if any of you reach it let me know what it's like because you know hmm. you know I, I guess it's different to, to everyone like what you know samadhi might be i, I don't know if you you know how, how much no, yoga you've done but um no, like, treat me like a novice because i really don't know very much at all so so shavasana is is corpse pose basically just lying on your back um just relaxing um your palms are facing the sky you've uh your 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 legs are um half a meter uh to a meter apart you're literally lying on your back in something called corpse pose shavasana Mm-hmm. palms facing the sky your chest is nice and open so you can breathe so you can relax um and that's uh, i think what brought me back to yoga i like i said i started going to yoga just after my mum passed away and i joined the fire brigade my mum my passed away in 2005 I joined the fire brigade in 2006 and i was going to the gym the david lloyd and they they were doing this um they were doing yoga classes in one of the studios and i started going with with Susie um she was my first teacher and and I I I think I was most of the time I was the only the only guy in there and some of the classes it was you know it was just um it was just ladies you know sometimes just um kind of middle-aged ladies and I started going back because I I never felt like as safe i i I just felt really safe in there and and i'd never felt as relaxed as uh, as i had done you know i used to fall asleep sometimes and it just felt like felt like a really safe space where i could restore and that's why i kept kept going back and then i found different forms of yoga ashtanga yoga which is more dynamic like it's really dynamic um you know, I, I used to think yoga was just for just for pregnant women, or you know, just for women. But um, yeah, I, it's it's t- it's t- for me. It's t- you know, it can be that. You know, they do uh, pre and postnatal yoga, pregnancy yoga. There's so many forms of yoga now. It's you know, it's unbelievable how many different forms: mm-hmm. yoga nidra, restorative yoga, vinyasa, ashtanga, jiva mukti, dharma yoga, um, yin yoga so much so many different forms so there's something for everyone um and yeah i i i i've totally immersed myself in it i suppose it over the last 15 or so years um like i said i, w- I went to i went to i started off in indonesia and then went to nepal and india sri lanka um new zealand um uh vietnam and um dubai on the way back and i was that was consistently the only thing that i was doing throughout my time away was where you know wherever i'd get to i'd write okay where's the nearest yoga studio um okay like you know what like where can i do where can i do yoga because you know that was that was that was my go-to thing that was the most important thing for me in my self-care in looking after myself um for community for exercise for for health for wellness for yeah look for looking after myself um for feeling connected to something Mm. um and yeah it's it's like yoga is it's it's brought me like so much it's you know it's given me it's it's 
helps me get over my fears of of um I I I I started skydiving. I've got over a hundred silo skydives since uh I, I did my first uh tandem jump in two thousand and three. Um and then didn't jump for like fifteen years and, and then started jumping again in New Zealand, did my AFF, got my A license. Uh, I've now got a, a British B license. Um, and I'm like, you know, shit scared of heights, you know, I'm, it, it, it's helped me do all those things with, with, with breath work, you know, when I'm on the plane, you know, it's, it helps, it's helped me conquer my fears. And, and I said to you, it, I feel more of a man now. I feel more tough now than, than I did when I was, you know, able to bench press a hundred kilos and squat, you know, whatever, because now I, I know that toughness is like, you know, being like, you know, having courage or being, being courageous in, in the face of, you know, real extraordinary fear. I, you know, couldn't explain, to, I, I could, I could tell you how scared I was on the, on the plane up to do my first skydive, but, but the, the feeling like it was uh, just unbelievable. I, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, a, it was a horrible feeling that, that fear of going up in the plane for the first time, knowing that you're going to, you, you've just got your parachute on your back and that's, you know, and you've got, you've got to pull your parachute. You're going, you know, 150 mile an hour. It's the, it's the most terrifying feeling in the world. And it still scares the hell out of me, you know, obviously not as much as it did, um, when I started jumping in, in 2017, but, uh, but that's been yoga. That's, 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 that's got me through that. And, and I suppose a little bit of being a firefighter as well. Um, mm. I, like, I could, like there's two times, the two times that I've probably been most terrified in my life was in, in 2011 when I was at Croydon fire station. Um, when, Mark Duggan was was shot in in Tottenham, and the riots went from Tottenham down to Croydon, and getting and getting tipped out of Croydon Fire Station. L when I was looking out the fire station windows, just seeing these huge plumes of smoke out, you know, and and I was I was on the pump ladder um, with um, a few other guys. Uh, there was a guy sitting next to me, uh, Martin Hooper. He was in the Paras. And, you know, that, and it was, it, that was pretty terrifying, you know, to get on the truck thinking I might not be coming back, you know, um, and, and that first skydive, those are the two most terrifying moments of my life, I think. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's, a, I feel like this is a good time to kind of move on to the, you know, like work in the, the fire brigade because it, yeah, that sounds like a terrifying, um, thin thing to experience and, and, yeah, I I really want to talk about this um, report that came out in um, November last year in 2022, um, because it's basically a report looking at the kind of culture of the London Fire Brigade um, and some of the um, issues and some of the the positives as well. And um, they they found in the kind of mental healthy section that I looked at that um, prior to 2019, there wasn't a well-being strategy in the brigade itself. Um, it's now been developed and they've been working on it. And there's several things that seem to have been implemented. And I know there's some stuff that you've taken advantage of. Um, and then there's also, you know, some stats about people feeling burnt out and, um, 
you know, there was a, a number of uh, suicides. I think they, they said that there was um, six deaths by suicide in five years, but um, a lot of the actual numbers hadn't been recorded of deaths, or at least the way that people had died hadn't been recorded. So a lot of the people who they interviewed thought it was much higher. Um, but I, I guess I'm interested in your experience working in the the fire brigade because this report, you know, it, it has kind of um, two sides of the story, but I'm interested in your experience personally. Uh, yeah, I, I've definitely experienced toxic masculinity in the fire brigade since, since I joined. I, and I suppose I've probably been guilty of it at times as well. Um, I, I'd say in my kind of my early years, I joined when I was 25 and there was very much this, you know, like, oh, the, the, the fittest guy was always like, you know, he was the top of the perch, you know, he was, you know, like top of the group, you know, of your squad, of your station. There was always, you were always trying to outdo, you know, your, your colleagues in fitness tests and, you know, in strength tests and who could lift the most and who could do the most, you know, the, the toughest event or, um, and on, on my first watch there, there was no females. Um, I moved to Croydon, um, uh, uh, from Hampstead, there was no females. So it is very much a male dominated environment. You know, I think 90% of the workforce are male. Um, at times I feel that you can very much fall through the, the, the fire brigade net where you do, you do feel totally burnt out, underappreciated, overworked, tired from working nights, um, you know, physically exhausted. Your routine is different week in, week out. So you can't schedule in, you know, things on a regular basis, um, like for me now being a dad, you know, it's difficult to, ch- to take, uh, to take my baby swimming every week, uh, because someday, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm on, I'm on day shift, then sometimes I'm on night. So it doesn't always work out. They do in, in, in their kind of defense, they do have flexible working options now where, you know, they do think, you know, if your situation, um, it warrants it that, you know, you can, um, work, like flexible working shifts so that you can, you know, do like regular days week in, week out for, for whatever reason. Mm. Um, but, um, yeah, I've, you know, I've definitely been, um, subject to some, some, some toxic masculine kind of, I I've been knocked out, you know, um, on, uh, on fire station premises before, um, oh yeah. Um, I, you know, I've been, you know, when I, when I was a buck, you know, when I was a, um, uh, firefighter on development, like my first couple of years, you know, thrown in a pond, you know, gone through all these kind of initiation kind of, um, yeah, techniques, hazing, I think they, they call it in, in, um, yeah, in that, in the culture review. Mm. Um, and it's like kind of, it does feel like, you know, earning your stripes, the, the old hands would see it. And now kind of, I suppose, you know, I, I got told by one of my first junior officers, oh, now you're an old hand, you know, I've done 17 years now, you know, minus, minus the time I took off from my career break. Um, 
Um, so now, you know, I'm in that generation where it's like, well, hold on. I went through all this stuff, but now, uh, like firefighters coming in now, what they don't have to be put through the same stuff. Um, I, I don't, I, you know, I wouldn't want anyone to go through what I went through. No, you know, and I, and I certainly wouldn't, you know, be subjecting them to some of the stuff that I went through. Um, um, So it is, is it something that you think has been has been stamped out now, or at least has more been? Yeah, it's mostly gone, at least in your experience, anyway. Uh, no, not totally. I, I, okay. I, 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 I don't think it's something that you can get rid of in a, in a job like this. Um, when, when you know when you know is it a, is it a society issue is it you know a reflection of society i mean um one of one of our um one of our managers uh, recently said about um the 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 increase in mental health concerns it it's it's a reflection of what's going on in in society it's not just a fire brigade thing mm. um and I do. And they they mentioned that. that in the report. To be fair, they do say that that yeah, the the, the mental health rates that are, were going up in the fire brigade seem to match the general population. Um, I think they said that somewhere in the in the report. So that does make sense with the numbers as well. I I I think the fire brigade is you know it's a it's a subculture. It's it's not it's not a normal job really. Well, mm. what is normal? It's you know it's. I always remember it being you know, on that list of the the most stressful jobs. I think firefighter and airline pilot, you know, were, were two of the most stressful jobs. You know, I, I think police and ambulance work would be in that as well. And doctor, I, I, you know, I'd would, I would hope they, they were on that list. But, mm. you know, it seems like, you know, you could, you could have anyone on there now with the cost of living crisis and, and whatnot. I don't want to go into that, but... Um, it, it is it is a really stressful job you know we we go from doing nothing potentially to you know as soon as the bells go down you know you you could be going to absolutely anything um uh the next second you know as soon as the bells go down you you don't know what you're going to be attending so it is it it is on your nervous system it is really really stressful your fight or flight you know that that hpa axis you know your hypothalamus pituitary adrenal and i feel that i'm in that quite a lot i'm like always because i've been doing it for so long i'm always trying to be in that loop you know it's an addictive loop to be in um and you know is that the reason that the the fire brigade is the way it is you know is that why it's like this kind of tough you know or perceived as being this tough um tough job or this tough have this really tough culture um which is is really is brutal um mm. you know but that's not all we what we do now you know it's you know it um in the early 2000s they introduced home fire safety visits so we go into people's houses now and you know we'll, we'll have a look to make sure that their homes are safe they're not um um uh, so to put to put a smoke alarm up to um to check all their 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 plug sockets just 
check the place out, make sure they're not hoarding, that the fire loading is not dangerous, that, that all their electrics are safe. You know, we don't let electric test all their appliances, but to make sure that they're not using unsafe, um, you know, to make sure they're not doing anything unsafe, not using candle incense sticks un, un, uh, unsafely. Um, they've got, um, they, they've got an escape, a method of escape. Um, so to make sure that they're safe, basically, they're yeah. not, if they've got cylinders because they're on oxygen that we put it on our, on our operational risk database. Um, yeah. So it's for our benefit and, and for, for their benefit as well. So, mm. we so, don't so do you, do, yeah. So, so do you, do you think that the, um, cause it, yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking about the, you talk, so like you say, this isn't a normal job again, what what's normal, but you're you are experiencing a lot of like dangerous and stressful and even though you're doing these less dangerous like less dangerous things now with these these checks that when maybe maybe the checks are going to help you know doing not constantly doing dangerous things all the time might help with the kind of general culture but it you know what i'm hearing is and it's something i'm i'm now kind of thinking about and i've not really thought about this before so my 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 idea is going to be jumbled um but do you think that to some degree the kind of toxic masculine culture, the, these kind of culture of being tough and kind of hazing each other and pushing each other in these these different ways is almost like a coping mechanism, like a way of dealing with with the like horrible things that people have to deal with consistently? It's like because yeah, do you think that's a thing? Yeah, definitely. Like black that black humor. Yeah, because some of the stuff that you see or potentially can see. You know, you use it, you use humor as, as a way to, to deal with that. Definitely. I do definitely mm. think that that is, um, that, that, that is a thing. Um, I know that the, um, the, the, the culture of you kind of highlighted, um, uh, a, a lot of, a lot of negative and, um, it's, it, it is a tough job. It's, you know, it's not like, you know, I can imagine being in the Marines or, or being in the paras, you know, is, you know, it, it, it's next, you know, it's next level. It, that's, you know, that's one, one step above what, what we do. Um, but it, even, it, even still, I don't, I don't think you need to compare who's, who's got it worse when you're experiencing like scary things like that so often. I think, I think obviously like some, maybe it'll happen more often in certain ones than others, but you know, being in the fire brigade, I'm, something that really stood out to me in the um, in the report was it was talking about some of the cha- positive changes that have been made, and one of them was that um, the ca- counselling and trauma services now it's expected that when you experience your first fatal incident, that you um, see uh, the counselling and trauma service, and just the idea that that in this report, you know, the idea that it's called the first fatal incident because it's just like the norm for a fatal like you know you're gonna get multiple fatal incidents that's obviously that must seem very normal for people who work in those jobs but for someone who doesn't have anything to do with that the idea that you're you know when you have your first fatal incident is called the first one because you're expected to have multiple that's you know like you know very scary and very stressful and that that's part of the thing that you know and, and again that it seems like the fire brigade doing trying to work on this a lot which is great but it seems so um just like 
wild to me that there was no well-being um i forget the word they used in the report but it was like a well-being strategy that was it that, yeah there's no well-being strategy until 2000 uh, till 2019 um when in this job where people are experiencing multiple incidents where people are dying and people are you know in in going through all these horrible horrible things that people are witnessing and there was nothing for well-being that just seems but but maybe part of that is because of that culture you know people were dealing with that so much by this toxic masculinity this you know facade of being tough and being um strong and not you know we're, we're better than that and we push past that and all that stuff um and maybe so maybe the way that yeah that that led to this this culture where no one thought about the idea of looking after your mental health because part of being doing the job was you just deal with it and again this that kind of problem and i wonder yes i wonder if it was that kind of yeah the kind of going in both ways if that makes sense i I can remember when when i joined in 2006 there was always the um you you would you would be in touch with the it was called advisory and counseling back then um um you I, I think it was a case of that who your officer in charge and back then it was it was a watch it was called a watch manager i think they would contact the counts um the advisory and counseling um if it was deemed necessary okay. um whereas now i believe um they will be informed i don't know how where whether it's uh ims uh, the incident management system they would know when there was a fatal so they would they would be the ones that would that would contact the watch rather okay. than the other way around um i'm i'm not quite sure i you know i i i i, I unless you're proactive with contacting um the cts cancer and trauma service they I've found my experience, they won't generally get in touch with you. I think Grenfell was totally different. I think they were being really proactive, um, whereby, you know, they would like kind of anyone that went to Grenfell was contacted, um, uh, because of, you know, that like the, the, the seriousness of, of the incident, um, it, Grenfell was, you know, it was obviously like just total, total catastrophe, you know, uh, something I, I hope that we'll never see ever, ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know that, uh, that the, the inquiry, I think it's just come to a close. I don't think Martin Morbick is, has released his findings yet or, um, it, or a, any recommendations, but I know that, you know, kind of one thing that was kind of highlighted was the, just the, the brigade just wanted to you know they, they almost wanted to use brawn over brain you know they just wanted to drag people out rather than step back be like okay the building's failed let's try and kind of let, let, let's try and do some kind of emergency evacuation um of, of all the residents i mean i'm not gonna stand there and say that you know that was the right thing to do in hindsight that you know that would have been the right thing to do but um you know uh you know i know that the everyone has said you know that all those deaths were preventable um you know i like to think every death well you know every accidental fire death or whatever you know you know is i suppose preventable um mm-hmm. um but you know 
about having you know foresight i suppose rather than than hindsight um i know that that you know they're totally changing um with regards to high rise incidents that you know they're doing phased evacuations in different buildings you know they um we've had uh, our strategy's been totally different for cladded buildings they're trying to remove this combustible cladding off of all buildings now i think there's still over a thousand buildings that've still got this the, the combustible cladding on it um but they're you know i suppose that they they're, they're trying to yeah, like they're trying to move away from the uh, firefighter. You just you have to be, you know, just really strong enough to, you know, drag someone out of a fire. Um, whereas, you know, dealing with it intelligently, I think it's where they're moving towards, and and rightfully so. And I think there has always been that. There has always been that, you know, intelligent, in- intelligent firefighting, um, mm. rather than just go in there and drag them out you know it's it's not it's not like that anymore um there that you know it, as and when it's needed i suppose you know you're still gonna like there will always be breathing apparatus crews there will, you know you will always go in into fires try and put the fire out try to you know to uh rescue life you know that's that's a given there will probably always be fires you know you can never fire engineer a building you know every single building so yeah. that you know that that there'll be the fire suppression systems sprinkler systems it's just it's in an ideal world yes but you know it's, we don't live in an ideal world um, yeah do you do you think that this like it's great we, we are obviously like you say the moving towards this more kind of um brain over brawn idea but like you say that there is an aspect to it where there's always going to be this idea of the body um and um like you said it, it it may be really hard if not impossible to get rid of all of the kind of um mass like problematic masculinity stuff in there because to some degree it might be a coping mechanism for this group and may, maybe maybe a way of dealing with that would be to teach people a, a, another way of coping with it that isn't this but um at least for the the time being it doesn't seem to be that there's there's a way that that that's happening yet anyway um it makes me think because like you masculinity and the idea of being strong and tough um these are all things that that relate to muscle dysmorphia and and body dysmorphia around muscularity and and i know that in there's a study in from the military um that was uh out last year and they they estimated that 15 percent of the men that they they um reported on in the military were at the stage were at the cutoff stage for muscle dysmorphia and five percent of the women um and i wonder if it's it'll be similar in in the fire brigade do you, do you think like muscle muscularity um issues like muscle dysmorphia disordered eating that kind of stuff do you think that's something that do you maybe recognize it in people or do you do you see those kind of things in people do you think it's something that's that's apparent I don't know if I recognize it in people specifically. I only know from my experience. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, you know, I, I suppose it's not always black and white, is it? Like, you know, mm. there, you know, there might be, you know, um, problematic behaviors in, in certain people. I mean, you know, gyms, fire stations are you know used heavily and there mm. and there are some you know your 
you're not really you're not valued or you're not um as well respected if you're not henched you know in mm. in in commas inverted commas um and it's it's weird isn't it like um i was i was listening to a podcast um uh, by a firefighter uh, in america about um uh, it was, there was a couple of firefighters talking the guy who runs the podcast and one of his guests, uh, he was a firefighter in Harlem and he was, they were talking about lacrosse and it's, um, I'm, I'm not going to come off topic too much, but it's, you know, their, their lacrosse coach, you know, got, he was fit as hell. You know, he was like proper brutal with them, you know, at, at times. And, um, and he like, he said that they got, the coach got the most out of them, you know, like, and in MMA or in, I, I like the most, for me, I love the fighters in MMA that are humble fighters. They're not arrogant, but a lot of the good fighters are really arrogant, like Conor McGregor, you know, he was like, you know, proper arrogant. And, you know, he'd, he'd play mind games with people and it wasn't, it wasn't down to the fight and it was down to the mind games. And I, I, I hated that. So when he, when he got beaten, you know, it was, it was just really satisfying. Um, and with, with team sports and with the fire brigade, if, you know, if you go, if you go gentle on people, you know, in those circumstances, then, then they're not going to be uh, as, as useful perhaps, you know, that might be what it comes down to, you know, if like, you know, um, I don't know, like Clive Woodward, you know, with his team in 2000 and, and I can't remember when it was four, I think when they won the world cup, you know, I don't know about his coaching style, but you know, he like, they won, they won the world cup, but uh, you know, if, if he was hard on them, you know, throughout the, 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 the world cup, he, you know, he got the best out of them. I, I, I don't imagine he was, but it's, a, it's about your coaching style and that, like that the, the lacrosse coach it's a brutal sport you know so he, he wanted to be really tough on 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 his on his team you know and hopefully got the most out of them it's i i, I suppose like with the fire brigade is you know not everyone is going to react or respond well to to real brutal management styles to real military militaristic like swearing shouting at them to get the to get what they think is going to get the most out of them. Mm. You know, there are times when that might work, you know, if like, if you're, in, if you're in a fire and you know, it's, it's not going well, you know, I've been in situations when I, you know, I've had to, you know, like grab the person and like, you know, like almost like smack, like smack them around the face, like pull yourself together. We need to follow the hose and get out of it. You know, mm -hmm. like it, 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 like, you know, I physically had to, you know, just like they were being irrational and it's like, this is, we've got to get the fuck out of here. You've got, <laughs> yeah. you've, got you've got to grab the hose and that will take you to outside basically, you know, that, like, that's, that's, really, that's, that... your, that's your way out. Yeah. That's really interesting, isn't it? Because yeah, I guess, for me, I'm I'm always kind of hesitant to be like, oh, you know, we should we need to make like tell people to be tough and stuff because of all the problems that I know can come from that. But sometimes, like you, you sometimes you need to be blunt with people, and and maybe you need to train that bluntness into people because it went you know if there's a life and death situation, someone needs to just flick that switch and go into that mode and then rescue themselves and other people. Um, 
So maybe there is a place for that. And yeah, I kind of feel uncomfortable in saying that because uh, because of the issues that I know can come from it. But there is a balancing act, I suppose, again, of, you know, the, that job you need to be kind of, t- you I guess, yeah, the word is tough and you need to be able to like push through and be resilient in that sense. But the, then there's also the balancing act of, you know, you are still a human being and, you know, how much is this job, like you know worth forcing all the kind of emotion out of yourself to become this machine that can do this thing um you know maybe that is what some people want and that's okay but there's like that for me anyway i feel like there's a balance there somewhere um but yeah it's yeah. that's a part of something that i've not really thought about or at least it feels uncomfortable for me to talk about because i don't like the idea of being like yeah you do need to be you do just need to be tough sometimes but i suppose in some jobs you just do like again in the army if you're going to go and get shot at you need to be able to flick that switch and be you know be in that mindset where you you don't like get upset and you just go and you just do it um and that yeah is yeah difficult um yeah difficult balance definitely mm. diff- really difficult yeah um it's yeah it, it's it's tough it is a tough job uh, you know I, I love this job you know when i when i when i joined when i got in you know i was it was there was like this figure in my head which people used to say it was like for every 20 people that applied only one got in and i was like you know that rang true for you know that 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 was really really important for me it was like okay for, for like for 20 people went for this job and and I was the best out of those 20 and that was so I was so proud when I when I joined you know through training school I got nominated for the Adam Mir awards like you know I was one out of only uh, my, like the only person in my squad they like nominate one person one person from each squad I can't think if there was like 10 or 12 in my squad so mm. you know I was nominated for for that award um uh adam mir was he was one of the firefighters that died in the bethlehem green fire um back in i think it was 2004 um adam mir and billy faust died in um a flashover in bethlehem green it was a, it was a flashover or a backdraft um and um yeah it, the, the award was named after after the recruit adam um so yeah it was, it was you know it was like the the most amazing thing ever and it has taken its toll on me, you know, through the, through the 17 years that I've been in, um, it's, it's taken a massive toll on my physical and my mental health at times. And I, you know, I need, I need to be really proactive with it because I, I know I'm susceptible to, uh, to periods of, you know, where I am really, really, really low, you know, if I come off nights and I've had a really bad night, you know, and, um, I, I noticed that my mood really, really sinks, and I've got quite like my my mental health is you know it's quite complex. Um, um, unfortunately, my my grandmother um, she committed suicide I think back in the seventies. Um, that was my my dad's mum, and you know that I know it's genetic. You know, m- mental health and um, depression it, it 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 is genetic. You know it's. I think more um it, it's more important about your environment like you know genetic I think it's only 20 or 30 percent but you know that's a big chunk you know if your mm. environment's really bad then you know then and you've got those good genetics that you know it's 20 or 30 percent which you know is your buffer whereas if your environment's really bad but you have that you know that genetic you know 
you don't have that genetic buffer then you know it's tough and i'm yeah i'm you know neurodiversity is uh it's a big thing at the moment and um i you know uh someone suggested it to me that you know that i exhibit some um some autistic traits um i you know really crave high stimulating stuff you know like my you know wanting to do like real like push my body to the limits do these you know crazy triathlons you know i've made it to base camp like you know started doing skydiving to really push my body to and and my my fears and everything to the limits really feel like you know like stimulated by something so i'm you know i'm waiting for waiting for um the nhs you know it's totally under the cosh at the moment and it's not not an emergency it's an emergency to me but you know obviously not in the eyes or they, or they just haven't got the practitioners. So I'm, I'm waiting for, for an assessment at the moment, be it, you know, ADHD or something to explain my always craving for these high stimulating activities. Mm. Um, um, so yeah, I know that my, my mental health, I really need to be proactive with it. So I can try and eat and exercise and do, do, do all this stuff for, for, for my, for my mental, mental fitness, it's really important um and and the job you know it's it's a it's a community so there's some aspects of it you know i've kind of delved into different things in my career like um gardening you know i've started you know started getting into into gardening because we've got well-being gardens at fire stations um i you know i've become the welfare rep so i'm responsible for getting you know all the all the stuff on station which is 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 for 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 our welfare you know like radios around the station you know tvs sorting out equipment for the gym um sorting the garden out um all this kind of stuff um we we actually our our garden at batsy won won the the best best garden in in london which which was really good it was yeah it was kind of yeah, it was amazing, amazing to 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 hear that to find out that we'd won. Um, um, it kind of kind of won by accident and with, with help from 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 family and friends. Actually, it's um, mm. yeah, it's not not a very interesting story. Interesting to me, but, but maybe not. <laughs> no, it, it's that, It's nice that you got that community and and that you kind of yeah you you're creating things like that and and i'm just i'm hesitant of time because we're i promised you we'd finish by five and we haven't even done the devil's advocate or the final three and we're already at five um but what i'm going to do is i'm going to skip the devil's advocate because we've we've done lots of devil's advocate questions today i feel like we've had a lot of kind of controversially different things and talking from different angles so i'll skip that but what i do want to talk about instead is i want you to tell me about the walk and talk group um, because that really stood out to me and you said that you were a part of it even I think you said today you you did one um, so yeah. can you tell me a bit about that and like what what that's like and how that's kind of working in your your kind of department I suppose yeah um so it's something really that I've always done with without the the talking well so walk and talk was set up by uh, a firefighter at Beck, uh, Beckenham called Dean Corney uh r- really nice guy like um what what he's done it, it's been amazing you know he's kind of gone gone national with it and i think maybe international as well there's, there's walks all over the country and it's about uh raising awareness of um of men's mental health um uh, uh, specifically you know kind of er- everyone can get the benefits from from walking out in nature but um because of three out of four suicides uh, are in men, uh, I think under, under the age of 50. Um, 
you know, he recognized that it, it was a real, real problem. Of course, that's going to be magnified in the fire BA because 90% of our workforce are men. Um, so yeah, he, uh, I think he started doing it with, uh, someone that was in the NHS. Um, and then he started doing uh, a walk. It wasn't affiliated with the fire brigade back then. It was just, you know, him, um, walking around Beckenham place park, um, Beckenham palace park. I, I, I've never done that one. Um, and then, yeah, he kind of started advertising it on social media um, within the fire brigade. And then the fire brigade, uh, one of our ACs, um, Jonathan, Jonathan Smith, who's a director now, I think he's, he's, um, yeah, he's like second in, in, in charge of, of the fire brigade. We've got like a commissioner who's Andy Rowe. And then there's like three directors, two who are operational. One, I believe who is non-operational. Um, and, um, yeah, it was, so it was supported by like, you know, a real senior officer. Um, and then, um, uh, so a few other walks pops up. So there's one in, um, in Hampstead on Hampstead Heath. So the one that I went to today was in Richmond park. Um, and it's just, it's run by mental health first aiders. Um, e each of the, 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 the walk leaders have done a mental health first aid course with mental health first aid England. Um, myself, uh, Dan, who, who runs the, the Richmond walk, um, Alex and Wayne who run the Hampstead walk and, uh, Dean who runs the, the Beckenham walk. Um, I, um, I just, I kind of, yeah, dip between them. Um, I'm a mental health first aider as well, um, at my station. Um, so yeah, it's just about getting out in nature, just talking. If you've got, you know, if you've had a bad week, it's just a, a nice place to, to let it out. You know, don't, don't bottle it up, you know, and just crack on, you know, with, with your life, you know, just take this couple of hours and just get, you know, get whatever you need to get off your shoulders and just get out in nature, get some fresh air, see some green. Um, and it, you know, it's amazing, you know, all the benefits that it brings serotonin, endorphins, dopamine, um, vitamin D, um, all this good stuff, you know, um, it's, yeah, it's amazing what, 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 what Dean set up, you know, and, and the brigade, are, you know, they're, they're, they're really supportive of it now. Um, so it's yeah, if, if, do, do they, do they like advertise it and stuff for, for people? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Um, it's, um, I, to, to be honest, I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure anyone can just show up, you know, I don't think they have to specifically be firefighters. Um, it is generally, it is just for men. Um, be, be, you know, I, they, they do do walks where, um, it is, um, yeah, that anyone can turn up. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, yeah, ones specifically, uh, uh, geared towards men, I think, it's it's a safe space where they do feel like they can share something which at fire stations sometimes because of the environment maybe guys don't feel like they can share how they're feeling you know yeah. uh, because they're they're in that you know in that kind of coiled spring you know adrenaline you know tough kind of persona headspace they don't you know if they've had a shit day they don't feel as comfortable sharing with it around a manager who might say, Oh, maybe, well, maybe you shouldn't be on the run or maybe shouldn't be operation, you know? So it's just a real, 
an, a nice safe space to to feel like they can um yeah just get whatever they need to off their chest and it's yeah it's great i, I loved it it's the first time i've been to richmond today i, I loved it. it it was great like richmond was near where i went to uni um uh and that was yeah it was where um i i i met the the the, the mother of of my baby girl uh we were we were neighbors at uni um we've got yeah i've got um coming up for a two-year-old danny Catherine, and she's yeah she's she's the most amazing thing that was yeah one of one of the things you know i i didn't have a great time at uni but you know but me and her and you know having 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 our daughter you know it's just been the most amazing thing um, um oh, for that's me. amazing that's amazing yeah like it yeah it's so nice that you can kind of go back there and reflect on it and nice that you did that today of all days as well when you record the pod and yeah mm. that's really nice and that sounds like a brilliant initiative and sounds like something hopefully all the kind of fire brigades departments or whatever you call them um will take up uh, all across the uk not just in london but i think you said he's the the guy's kind of making it national now so um even in other countries and uh, sorry international even so other countries so that's fantastic yeah. and, may, and, and maybe that's the way that they find that balance you know maybe maybe it is that they need to have this you know toughen toughening up idea within the department itself when you're working but then you balance it by having things like the walk and talk where you can then talk about it in a, in a safe space, like you say. Yeah. Um, the, uh, it's, uh, on Instagram, uh, walk and talk nine, 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 um, is, is, you know, if, uh, if you want to just have a look at, at what, you know, if, if there's any firefighters that are listening or police or ambulance or NHS workers, or, you know, anyone just you know it's 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 really good for your for your mental health your physical health um i should square it with with dean and alex and you know make sure that don't have a um a bunch of supermarket or whoever workers turn up oh yeah i'm just here for the walk and talk um i yeah i i mean it anyone can set up their own group you know it's not uh we, we don't we, we haven't got that patented it's not just uh, us that are allowed to get out and, and walk and talk, mm. um, but yeah, it's it, it is it's great. And it, but it's something that I've been doing f- for years, you know, just getting out that like. And I used to say to like the people I used to live with, you know, I'd, you, you fancy just coming for a walk. Sometimes they would, but very rarely, you know. I just used to walk around Clapham Common, and you know, just get out. Like sometimes I'd run, but if I didn't fancy having a run, if the sun was out, then I'd just you know I'd nip out and it, yeah um it was just it was it was even better if someone came with me because i so i could just have a natter with them you know whereas mm. before you know i used to have my headset on used to be listening to an audio book or some music it, you know i'd rather be doing it with someone um mm. and yeah some some of my housemates um when they used to come which which weren't that often it you know it's great is and and now yeah it's like an organized thing um and it's yeah it's it's, it's I, i'd so much rather do that than go to the gym yeah i mean it sounds lovely yeah um you know you're based up in worcester aren't you i am now yeah i wasn't i was in london at the time but um like worcester fire brigade they might do it there might be a group up in 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 worcester uh i I, I almost went to worcester university actually back way back when Um, oh that's why that's why i'm doing my phd i think we spoke about this before yeah Um, yeah 
There's a University of Surrey, Brighton and Worcester that I was going to go mm. to. I got accepted into all three, but chose to stay in London. <laughs> okay, well, um, Graham, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to force us to move on to the final three just because I'm, I'm taking up way too much of your time and we're getting into the two-hour mark according to my recording. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't want to make this too long for people listening at home. So we're going to move on to the final three. I know you're a listener, so you probably know of the final three already, but for people who don't know, um, I ask three final uh, questions but not really questions so they used to be called the final three questions but they're, they're more like statements that i get people to tell me rather than me asking them a question so i just called them the final three now um so graham we're going to go with the first one which is name a person that inspires you okay i can't i i i, I couldn't just do one um so <laughs> i like um a, a guy I went to uni with, Joe, um, we kind of did the same degree. He did human science. I did bioscience. He's now a doctor. Um, so if, if I kind of carried on with my studies, I could have become a doctor. Um, and yeah, he's just, he's the most like adventurous, fit, amazing, intellectual, amazing guy. I've just had so many just amazing, incredible adventures with him. Um, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's up there. He's one of my ones. Shimon, um, he's he's an amazing yoga teacher. He's from Japan. He's from Yokohama in Japan. He's come to, you know, he he's like, you know, it's obviously not his first language, but he's, you know, his English is amazing. He teaches the most amazing yoga. He's the most amazing yoga teacher. Um, and um, I did a mentorship with him a couple of years ago. Um, so I, and I'd lo- like, I'm, I'm an English language teacher as well. I like to teach, um, uh, English on, um, uh, English first education first, uh, online. Um, so I love languages and he's, you know, just being able to live in a country which doesn't speak your first language is just mm. like that, just really inspirational. And he's an amazing yogi and, um, Chrissy Wellington, she was the Ironman female Ironman world champion, just so that, you know, there was someone that maybe other people knew about or at least something, you know, that they knew. Amazing. And even thinking about the listeners, Graham, um, amazing. Thank you. And they all sound like incredible people. Um, and yeah, we'll have to look them up. Um, okay. Number two, name a phase of your life that you didn't like at the time, but looking back, you know, that positives came from it. Uh, yeah, my, my university degree, um, mm. I didn't have an amazing time when I was at uni, but that, you know, I haven't now have my daughter and the people that I met at uni, like who I'm still in touch with, who I'm still friends with, you know, that, yeah, that's, that was, you know, it was worth going through like that time at uni f- for just to have met them. Amazing. Okay. Thank you. And uh, yeah, that's my, that's always my favorite question. I feel like uni comes up quite often actually where people say that they didn't enjoy um, certain years. Maybe it's because of like the age and the time and maybe it's just, you know, it's, a di- it's usually a difficult time because you're moving away from home and you, you're doing all mm-hmm. these things. So, um, but yeah, it's always great to hear people kind of struggling, but then coming out of it and actually thinking that it was positive. So I think people listening who might be going through a shit moment so maybe someone who's at uni at the moment who's who's having a bad time can hear you say that and then you know see all the stuff you've gone on to do and um you know and that you can say that actually it was positive in the end can hopefully um, give people a bit of um yeah i suppose hope for that 
Um, and the final question, not question, um, is name a phrase or word that changed your life. Yeah. Uh, so another really good friend of mine, um, he, I did a, a, um, an Ironman with him many moons ago. Uh, he's a really, really clever bloke. He, I don't know if he, like, if he, if this is his quote, it's, it's amazing. Um, he said, you've got to put yourself first so that you can put others before you. Um, mm. you know, like it's a bit of a, you know, like that, well, that, that doesn't make sense. Like, you know, you <laughs> need to put yourself first so you can put others before you. Well, that's, you know, that like doesn't, yeah. Um, and it's like that whole, you know, when you're on a plane, if it's going down, you need to put your oxygen mask on first before you put others on. Like for me, I'd try and do it at the same time, you know, like, <laughs> um, and, but that is so true. You know, like you need to be, you, need to, you know, make sure that you've got your shit together. Otherwise you're going to be no good to anyone else. Mm. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's kind of the, it's like a paradox, isn't it? What you know, when we want to help others, um, we actually need to help ourselves, isn't it? That's, yeah, that's kind of the dull point in that phrase that, you, you know, if you're if you're not functioning at the capacity that you can because you're not looking after yourself, because you're too busy trying to look after other people, you're not going to be able to look after those people as much as you want to. So actually, yeah. the, the best thing to do is to reel back on helping them and look after yourself so that then when you when you are helping them, you're fully present and you're fully available and um, fully capable of doing giving that help. Um, yeah. But it, yeah, it's tough, yeah. isn't it? it? It does sound like a. It's does, it sounds like it doesn't make sense. It sounds like a paradox. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, exactly. You hit the nail on that. Amazing. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Graham. Um, I, I'm going to apologize because I've kept you over the time that I promised I would stop us by. Um, but you just have so much to talk about and you've, you've done so much in your life and you've got so much kind of wisdom from the different things that you're doing. And yeah, it's just really interesting to hear your take on all these different things, and especially the fire brigade stuff when you're, you're living in it at the moment and um, your experiences with body dysmorphia and um, how yoga's helped you. Just all this stuff that we've been talking about today is just really inspirational and and interesting and hopefully people um listening at home have enjoyed it how have you in, have you found it graham yeah I, i've loved it um yeah it's been really good to connect with you I, I you know i think it was during covid or something you know that i can't i can't remember when it when it was that i listened to your the the, the your 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 interview on the podcast bdd podcast but yeah it's yeah it's been it's been great you know just the, the times that we've spoken it's been like medicine for me as well so you know take take that away that you you know that you've you've been you've been uh, a real benefit to me and you know yeah inspirational what you're doing as well um and yeah it's been it's been great um to you know i know we, we haven't met we've just kind of spoken over the phone but yeah, it's been one of it's been one of the connections that that I've had over over COVID and beyond, which has been yeah one of one of the most meaningful and um, yeah really really kind of authentic uh, and helpful for me. So thank you, George. It's, yeah, it's been great. Oh, I, I really appreciate that, Graham. Thank you, um, and it's it's been really nice to to get to know you as well. And hopefully we can meet in person at some point. Um, yeah, I'd like that. Yeah, I would like that too. Uh, so for for everyone listening at home, uh, thank you so much for making it through another one of the podcasts and I hope to see you at the next one. Bye.
thank you so much for listening to that episode. Here at Maya Minds, we're trying to raise awareness for all the things that we speak about in this podcast. So please, if you can, give it a share. Each and every one of you has the potential to help us with that. Also, if you want to check out mayaminds.com, please do. You can see all our social media things on there. And we'd love to have you contributing more as a part of our community. Thank you.